Honey, I blew up the business. What a great episode today. Nikki Trot is on the podcast. Nikki's a uh, collaborator, power buddy of mine. I don't know how we met, actually, but we were working together because she's trying to do good in the world at scale with an incredible zest for life, being channeled into some amazing projects. She's just announced the launch of Barefoot Ventures, which helps fund impact startups. She's also the founder and chief strategist of the Conscious Accelerator and the host of Going Conscious podcast, a global top 2.5% podcast like this podcast. Woo-woo! She's also a speaker and a board advisor and a great, wise, interesting person. She's going to get into today how she kind of surrendered, which is a funny word to think about in business, but she surrendered to the flow of life and listened to her intuition and left a high-flying career in fashion to set up her business that's looked after impact-led businesses. We get right into it and all the stories that led to that and all the stories that led to her following that intuition to setting up this fund. So she's now in, she's in the finance industry, going from the fashion industry. Quite the story. If you don't know me, my name's Dan Kirby. I'm your host of Honey, I Blow Up The Business because that is what happened to my business. We saved it. We turned it around. It was pretty messy about six years ago now. We did turn it around. I learned a lot. That's why I'm sharing this podcast, these interviews with amazing guests like Nikki, so you can learn and take it on your entrepreneurial journey and learn from all the mistakes that I and we and all of us are making. It's a rough and tumble world out there. My business is doing better than ever now, the tech department it's called. I want to thank them very much for sponsoring this podcast. Thanks, guys. If you like what we're doing, you like my mission, my mission is, by the way, to create the world's most authentic podcast for entrepreneurs. If you like that mission, share this podcast with your networks on social media. Give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You know the deal. Share it. Become part of our community and get active. Drop me a, Maybe drop me a message on, uh, on LinkedIn. I'm happy to talk to you. You know, I'm here to help. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Go ready in three, two, one. Welcome to the podcast, Nikki Trot. Awesome to see you. Thanks Welcome. for having me. Well, it is a real honor to have you here because uh, we're we've turned into somewhat collaborators, conversational partners, co-podcast threatening to come on each other's podcasters, and here you are. Finally, 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 and it was always worth the wait. But I, it's a great honor to have it's you. It's the right moment. It's always the right moment, and because uh, we've been, we have actually been sort of working together in parallel and, and sort of helping each other out, and it was quite serendipitously. And I feel like that's a nice spirit to come into this podcast. So the timing is just right for now. And, and what I want to get into actually, because you've, um, we, uh, you are on this sort of incredible, interesting new inflection point in your career, entering the world of finance. But you didn't start in the world of finance. You started in the world of fashion. And I want to go back to sort of the, the good old days, perhaps. You started um, your career in, in the fashion world, but then uh, consciously, I would say, blew up your career um, to sort of do something a bit different. So what happened? What, what transitioned you from the sort of world of high fashion and highfalutin jet set travel into the, the world of uh, impact finance where you are today? Yeah, good question. I did blow up my career, but I, I also blew up my whole life at the same time. Um, so I think for the first part of my career, I was really working towards what I've been told success looked like by other people, what I'd absorbed all the way from being a young child. And don't get me wrong, I loved it. I loved the whole journey. Um, wouldn't change any of it. 
but I was working in fashion. I was the youngest director in a company working with many of the world's biggest, most famous brands. And that's what I'd wanted to do before I was 30. I wanted to become a director, earn a certain salary level and live a certain lifestyle. And I'd achieved it and didn't feel like I was anywhere near done. It didn't feel fulfilling. And I was at that point of going into my own personal journey and starting to really question the way that things were being done. I actually today had lunch with someone I hadn't seen for 10 years and we met in the fashion world and so much has changed for both of us in the last 10 years. And I told her the moment that I think my whole life changed. And that was the moment that I decided to start walking to work. I was living in London and I was in Bethnal Green in the East and I was spending about 40 minutes on the central line in the morning with some very miserable looking people, no connection between anyone, everybody becoming angry when there was a slight delay and the tube was held up. And it just was a really miserable way to start the day. And I just thought, what would happen? How long would it take to walk? And I put it in Google Maps, it said one hour. And I thought, well, one hour walking versus 40 minutes of a really unpleasant journey. I think I'd choose the hour actually. And from that moment, I started walking an hour to and from work every day. And that totally changed everything. I reconnected with my body. I realized that I can do things differently. I can just choose how I want to do things and just try it, doing something that people think is crazy. It's just walking to work for an hour, but the amount of people go, what? You can't do that. <laughs> but anyone, uh, you know, with physical ability to can actually. And also I started listening to podcasts and I was listening to Russell Brands Under the Skin. And I was going through my own personal transformation. I was becoming vegan at that time, starting to meditate, re reading Eckhart Tolle for the first time. All of this stuff was happening in my inner world. And then on the way to him for work, two hours a day, I was listening to the most incredible people who were so aligned with what I was starting to discover and how I was starting to think. So that was really a, a huge moment for me. And that led to me realizing it's only me who's going to create the path. I can stay in this very comfortable existence with my lovely boyfriend and my nice apartment and my great job or knowing deep inside myself intuitively that there's more, I can just go for it and follow what feels right. So I left my job. I left my boyfriend. I left my home city of London um, and I went, went to Berlin and for the first time was living alone and setting up my own business. Wow. So you kind of did a proper job then. Yeah, well, that only takes us halfway there, doesn't it? Because that, that doesn't really answer your question. So uh, I need to go to telling you less detail about this. But essentially, I then built my first consulting company for fashion lifestyle brands, which did really well. And I was working half the hours for twice the cash, but still the fulfillment was lacking. And I realized that I was helping to sell products that did not align with my values. And the, the pinnacle of that was when I was going to New York for a... Uh, digital marketing conference that I was contributing to for a big luxury skincare brand. They gave me a facial and were telling me how there was uh, caviar in their cream. And I was just lying there thinking, okay, I'm vegan. I would never buy this. It's a thousand US dollars for a small pot, which is more plastic than cream. What am I doing? My gifts that I've been given in this life must be for something more useful. They must be. And that took me to then say, mm -hmm. I have to say no. To things that don't align with my values and I have to just do an experiment. I haven't got much to lose. At that point, I was single, living in Berlin, pretty affordable. I didn't have to support a family. I, it was okay. I had a bit of savings from my, my London salary and I thought, well, what would happen if I just radically surrendered to this? And I have to re recommend the, the book by Michael Singer, The Surrender Experiment, which I adore, where he talked about his journey of just surrendering at every moment. So 
we can touch more on it if you decide to ask me questions about it. But then I took a number of different decisions, which ended up leading me to impact consulting, where now I only advise brands and businesses that want to make a positive impact and bring my my brand business expertise to them. And through that journey, I was invited to consult a, a new friend a year ago. It was a new friend of mine who was setting up an impact investment company that was really looking at applying the permaculture principles to the world of finance. And uh, Brendan had spent three years already racking his brains about how that could be done. And he invited me to help him package all of this into a company and a brand and a way of speaking and communicating a new era for finance. And from that collaboration, we worked so beautifully that he invited me to be his partner in the fund. So I come still, of course, very much on the brand and business side. I'm learning a lot about finance and there's a lot I don't know, but I speak the language of the founders and I'm used to seeing things from their perspective in a funding way. So that also really helps. Wow. So, okay. So that's a real whistle-stop tour of your blow-up, multiple phase blow-up, I would suggest. I, I, I when you one thing up, it's kind of easier to just blow everything key up. Blow, key blow, exactly. Yeah. And, and what's, what I really, I want to go take me back actually to sort of this origin story. Cause I think I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued by your, um, hopping off the, off the kind of travelator as it were, hopping off the underground, getting off the central line and, and breaking that pattern. Yeah. And, and this sort of, um, moment in time that it's actually quite vivid, you know, you, you're kind of there in with the herd packed in doing what everybody else does. And then you broke out of that tube map and found this physically different way of seeing the world and a spiritual element to that. If you're reading Michael Singer and Eckhart Tolle, and, and then you've got this whole other sort of parts of your mind opening up to that. But can you take me back to, um, this, because you said there were certain people kind of looking at you. Like you're gone crazy because you've left the tu- left the tube system. You're walking. So what was what was y- you, Nikki, back then when you decided to step off the train and actually walk? What was kind of like? What was in your head at that point? Well, when I mentioned people looking at me, it was more people at work, or when I yeah. sort of mentioned I walked. I've started walking in, and it feels amazing. Or people would say, "Wow, you're you're sprightly today." They go, "Yes." I walk to work now and I'm full of energy and I feel brilliant. And so people go, what? <laughs> so it's more that, of course, no one walking past me on the street was even thinking or cared what I was up to. Um, but it was just generally not something that people did. It's, it was just. And how did that make you feel? Um, I never minded doing things differently. I always did things a bit differently and I always felt a bit different. But I think. That, that even was back when I, I love dancing and I love music and I would party a lot and I never wanted to take party drugs. Everyone around me was. Everyone in London who I knew in fashion was on a lot of different things. Just wasn't, wasn't my thing. And so I was always used to being that person who just made my own decisions. And my mum used to tell me that she would, wanted us, me and my sister to be very independent. And she used to ask us when we were tiny, what breakfast you, would you like, this one or this one, and, and have us kind of make our own decisions. And I don't know whether that made an impact, but I think uh, for me, fitting in with the crowd has never been very appealing because I know that it doesn't make you happy or it doesn't make me happy to just stifle who I am. It's, I think, uh, a long, lifelong journey to find out more about who you are. And you said you, had to, you wanted to get into your body. What, again, what do you mean by that? Well, 
Up until that point, I had been treating my body like an external case. I think the fashion industry probably doesn't help, but my body was something I'd used. I was drinking heavily every weekend with all my friends, um, wasn't sleeping enough, was kind of proud of the fact that I was totally fine on a few hours sleep and really treating my body as something external that needs to comply to how it's meant to look, should be dressed appropriately for the image that I'm presenting and needs to keep up, needs to keep up with me. You know, that was kind of the the thinking. And so there's a great disconnection with the self and the body, thinking that it's just a casing that needs to keep up and not really realizing it's an integral part of this expression that I am here in this world. And so you kind of you kind of getting out. You're going against the grain, swimming upstream, as it were, literally walking up the up the street with your headphones on, listening to Russell Brand, and you're literally physically breaking out of this groove, and then you're kind of mentally breaking out of the groove and having these different parts of your experience or brain or mind opened up by these things. Again, it seems to be a kind of a start of a pro- start of a process that's continuing to unfold. Um, but I, again, I'm always curious of this sort of early stage, like kind of the, the discovery point of this, in the mm. inflection point. Like, was there was there a particular moment in time where you thought, "Hang on, I've got I've been getting this wrong." Never. Um, I mean, it's almost historically, like you kind of if you have got this new way of seeing the world, you see, like, okay, I'm. I'm was there a moment where you thought I, I need to really? When was the mo- sorry? When was the moment? You because you did change things that you thought this has to change. I'm one of those weird people who likes change, which I. I don't meet many people who do. Um, I like the feeling of being really alive. And for me, being in a rut or just on a hamster wheel, I, I start to feel that my growth is plateauing. If my growth is plateauing, I don't feel so alive. Um, that's, I think, how it is for me. So I'm always pursuing those uncomfortable situations where I know I can continue to expand in the way that it's uncomfortable because it's new and unknown, but it's comfortable because I know in my intuition it's the step I'm meant to be taking, if that makes sense. So I think for me, that's always been underpinning these things. And so the moment I knew I needed to change was that facial I told you, where mm. I lay there and thought, I think I've been given skills for something greater than this. And the only way I'm going to find out is by trying. And the safe zone never really appealed to just say, but I'm earning good money and I've got great clients. And what if I leave this business? What if it, what if it never, what if I never achieve something as good again? What if this was my big break? I think for me that, that unknown, exciting, exploring the possibilities, that excitement is, is greater. That's a greater pull. Mm. And and you feel like it was a kind of, the pull, the call to adventure, perhaps you could call it this sort of intuition or the, the feeling that you've got this other horizon to go for, a different horizon uh, that, that's spurred on by your caviar-based uh, facial cream. <laughs> um, as you can tell, I've been a regular applier of the caviar uh, facial Well, you are glowing. <laughs> Indeed. A big fan. <laughs> but again, these visceral moments, you like you buggered off to Berlin and then you got your facial and thought, sod this, this isn't making any sense to me from a values point of view. And what happened next? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's also worth saying that I'm, I'm aware of how lucky I am that I can make decisions like this and I really don't have anything that I'm risking. So I think also 
we create so many cages in our own minds where we, we create fears that are not rational. We block ourselves. And I do find it incredibly thrilling to just say, what if, what if I just go beyond what will happen? What is the worst that can happen? And when I'm advising founders now, that's one of the questions that I often pull out. What is the worst thing that could happen in this situation? The absolute worst. Let's face it. Let's look at it directly. Let's really name it. And when you do that, you often find it's all like, what would be the worst thing that could happen for me in that situation would be that I decide, no, actually, I prefer London to Berlin. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to just call a couple of those clients and, and consult them again or carry on. But it's, it's, not, it's not such a big thing, but we can make it feel like it's a big thing. So I went to Berlin. I got into, I, I was able to create extra space. I decided it was important to create space in my week. I started exploring the newfound connection with my body by going to Pilates a lot and training. I did a teacher training as well. I, I found that very, it was very spiritual for me to connect with my body in a new way. And, and it really grounded me and enabled me to understand presence uh, and the power of the now. And from there, I was also dancing a lot. So I would go to Berlin's club, Berghain, three or four Sundays a month, every, every Sunday afternoon, pretty much. And I'd be dancing there and connecting with the music and my body. Um, and I also discovered psychedelics, having never taken drugs. I was in Mexico City with a group of friends from Berlin and decided to um, experiment with psychedelics, which is also another way of opening up the mind and finding new ways to surrender. So all of these things were happening at the same time whilst I was consulting more and more brands and founders. And at, at one point I realized okay, I've created my own business. I'm following my value of freedom, which is very important to me. But in the end, I'm consulting a similar type of company. And I just want to radically put it out there and just say, I only work with companies who are genuinely committed to impact and want to do good. And I named my business Conscious Accelerator intentionally to put people off who hate the word conscious because that's fine, but they're not my people. Mm -hmm. They're not why I'm here to serve. So that was also an intentional branding exercise of communicating where I'm at. And I was terrified of announcing on LinkedIn. I remember that that was the direction I'd taken because I, I thought people were going to think I had gone a bit loopy or become a hippie or, you know, what happened to her? She had, was on such a good path and then she went into all this conscious stuff. I was worried, and this is six years ago, that people would just think I'd gone a bit crazy. But then I realized, firstly, people don't, really care that much about what anyone else is doing. They're so wrapped up in their own stuff. Secondly, I'm not going to, on my own transformational journey, still resonate with all the same people I used to, and that doesn't matter. They're not meant to come on the journey. And thirdly, those who are meant to come on the journey with me will feel great about it. And of course, then I was surprised after I announced it, how many messages I got from people still in the fashion industry saying, hey, I'm also looking at this stuff. I'm passionate about sustainability. I know we've got to change. What can we do? Let's work together. So I'm sure there were people who also maybe didn't like it, but I never heard from them and never thought of them. So no, right, quite right. And so just just for people's benefit who don't know, perhaps what an impact led businesses or an impact startup is. What, what how would you de define that? Yeah, I mean, it's a word that's flying around a lot, um, and there's definitely different ways people use it. I think the simple way of describing it is we started with sustainability. And sustainability is all around creating an organization which does less harm. And 
I think a really good example of this is my husband said to me once, he said, you know, we're vegan and, and we, we eat a plant-based diet and we have to not think that we're doing anything good at all by being vegan. We're doing nothing good. We're just doing less harm than people who choose to eat in a different way. We're still doing harm with what we're eating, but less harm. That's not doing something good. We, we need to be clear about that. And that was a really, that, I think that's a really good way of, of showing a sustainable business that's, that's a bit more sustainable than another. Well, of course it's better, but it's just doing less harm. Mm. So then we went into the, the phase of regeneration. Well, how can a business be sustainable in how it operates, but also give back more than it takes from the environment and community, from people and planet? And so impact is about the internal and the external. It's making positive impact on people and planet. And I know that this is a, a word where if you look at the definition of impact, or it could be negative impact, it could be positive impact. Wasn't my decision that this is the word that everyone uses in, in industry, but this is the word. So impact investing, impact entrepreneurship, you can call it conscious investment, conscious business, whatever regenerative as well. But whatever these words are, that's what it's relating to. It's the internal and external impact on people and planet. And again, that's, that um, word conscious as well is a, is a, a word du jour. And it's a kind of very po polarizing word or a confusing word for people. But you, you, so you labeled your, so you've had this, it's just sort of recap. You've had this breakout of London, London. You've had your kind of business starts in Berlin. We have the uh, face cream moment in New York and back to Berlin to, um, I like a bit of techno, by the way. I'm um, I'm partial to a bit of techno. I'll send you my link to my SoundCloud. Um, and then we had this leaning into impact for the various prompts and the experiences in Mexico and different ways of opening your thinking. And then you created the conscious accelerator and you were worried or thought you maybe, you know, make people think you've gone all, all weird and hippie. So, so what does conscious mean? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, because really it, it means being aware. Um, and I think that that's a great definition to stick to. It's, it's really about being aware of the wider implications. It's like if you drop a, a drop of water into a, a sink that's full, it's not just seeing where it lands, but it's seeing all the ripples that flow out from it and being aware of the interconnectedness of everything and how any action impacts something else and everything else ultimately. Um, so I think that when we see ourselves as separated individuals, when we see our businesses as fighting and competing, uh, then we, we lose a lot of that connection, which is, which is such a shame because it's something that can really help us to build greater businesses, more resilient businesses and more profitable businesses. Yeah. It's funny because my, um, blow up with my business, um, hence the podcast name, uh, back in 2017 was a, 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 an act of, um, Awareness raising, let's just call it consciousness raising for me, because I got my stupid walnut shelled ego smashed open, which it needed to have happened in the ongoing midlife crisis of crisis that was my forties. Um, and, and I needed it because it needed to just break it open to kind of look outside of myself and go, Oh yeah, uh, there's a world of, of way of seeing the world kind of, uh, that's perhaps different. And perhaps if I, if I expand my awareness, I can perhaps have a better relationship with that outside world and people and the business. And so for me, raising my awareness or consciousness has been a fundamental thing that I've been practicing for the last five years to be able to have a better relationship with me and my wife and kids and business and friends and world and you or whoever. 
and, and it propagates out the ripple effect. So I think that for, for me, it's a kind of, uh, I think it's really interesting. And, and that, but the word conscious, I think kind of comes with some baggage attached to the, 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 again, that, uh, that, that's, I mean, I'm getting interested to see, um, you thought some people might be negative about it. Why did you think people, people would be negative about that word? Well, I don't really want to go into the whole British press using the word woke and appropriating it into something oh, pretty horrible. It's a, there's a lot of people who are not very open-minded and that's okay. Everyone's on their own journey. But I think we can be in our society quite quick to shoot down anything that's not already scientifically proven. And I love that scientists themselves, any good scientist will tell you that science is a best guess at a moment in time. And science wouldn't exist anymore if there wasn't a lot left to, yet to discover. So I think that we need to be much more balanced in how we bring our own understanding of the world from our innate intuition, our own inner wisdom, our own connection with ourselves, with all of the incredible resources and knowledge, science that exists around us. And so for me, conscious accelerator brings together those two words. It's the feminine and the masculine, or or it's the kind of esoteric and and the the business as usual. And putting those words together, I think, creates a new energy around business. But the reason that I was worried about sharing it was just thinking, not everybody in fashion is going to be ready for this right now, or 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 open-minded enough. And what what will be the impact of that? These contacts that I've built over 10, 15 years, how are they going to react? And it was a moment of, of weakness because it doesn't matter. And I didn't need to care. But in that in that moment I did care. And it just it just temporarily held me back for a couple of weeks, you know. Until but, but, I, but I'm interested on that because this is this is really good little little, little moment. Because I had a real hesitancy. Well, so this podcast and it was like you know blah blah. It's been done quite well now, and it doesn't feel like anything. But at the time, I thought, yeah, hypothetically talking about the time I blew my business up, yeah, that's a good thing to help other people. But on the morning of going live, there's a whole different thing where you're thinking, I'm crazy. I'm going to like like torpedo my career. So in those two weeks where you held back, what 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 were the fears that in your mind, and how did you get over them? I don't think I thought about it that much. I I'm just acknowledging a feeling that I had where I noticed that I was hesitating, and I thought, why am I hesitating? This is really exciting. And then I looked into it and checked in with myself and said, okay, I'm wondering how people are going to react. But I I thought I was somebody who didn't really care how people think what people think of me. That is obviously not completely true. And then I had to ask myself, what is the worst that could happen? And then I saw the worst that could happen would be that people who are not aligned with me will not like what I'm doing. So who cares? Yeah, great. And I think, well, you can only please a certain amount of people a certain amount of the time. And um, we talked a little bit about esoteric and practical and the feminine and masculine. And you mentioned Michael Singer earlier and the concept of uh, surrender or uh, the, his book, The Surrender Experiment. And the, again, this is another word, surrender, like conscious or um, uh, 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 like conscious, I suppose. Is what, is, what does that even mean? Someone's listening yeah. to this and isn't even aware of Michael Singer's book. Could you, firstly, can you just sort of talk about that book? Because you, you seem to be an, an instructional book. It's a book called The Surrender Experiment um, by Michael Singer. Can you just talk about who is Michael Singer and what is this book? So... I mean, he's a very, very successful businessman and author. And I think The Untethered Soul is the most well-known of his books. I have read all three um, 
of his books, but the surrender experiment for me was the most interesting because he talks about how he decided early on in his life to just surrender to everything. And he was surrendering to whatever opportunities came and whatever felt right at any moment. And he ended up then being a hippie in America, building a temple. And, you know, I was reading and thinking, wow, this is pretty amazing. I mean, he's taken this to quite an interesting scale, but also it doesn't really resonate with me. I'm not looking to live a life like that or create a temple or, you know, I'm very firmly rooted in business and know that's where I'm meant to be. And I love and love it and enjoy it. And so I'm not really sure about this. But, but I like his sentiment. And then as he continues, I don't want to ruin it for you. Uh, he also narrates the audiobook himself and it's quite short. So it's really, is really worth listening to. Um, but then he ends up building a multi-million dollar company from the same process. He never set out to do so. And incredible things happen. And he's, his life story is absolutely mind blowing. And it didn't come from overthinking, forcing something, knocking people out of the way, this kind of old world thinking that most of us were educated with. It just came from a process of surrendering. And so I think people are scared of the word surrendering because it makes it sound like you just give up or you're not taking control or you don't really have your own vision. You just, you're just on the train wherever it's going to go. And that's not how I see surrender, but that is how I thought about it at the beginning too, until I'd done more exploration and also more experimentation in my own life. And with anything, I think, you, you know, learning from experience is the only way that you can really understand something. But for me, then surrender became something that needs to balance with vision. So I think we, we need to have our vision, a clear understanding of how we're going to get there, very specific goals that you're focused on, but at the same time, also to be flexible and open enough to respond to what is put in front of you. Sometimes it's not expected and sometimes we can just stay on on our lane because that's what we said we were going to do and that's what we promised and that's what we set out and almost get caught up in the mind in the thinking part of it and not take something that is quite obviously a really great thing for you because it's not what you had planned. So I'm always thinking about this and working on this with the founders who I advise is how do you have a very clear vision, know what you're working towards, have your goals, and also communicate that to your teams in a way that they can then get on board with, but at the same time, be open and flexible enough to surrender to the opportunities of the world. And without doing that, I don't think we're able to maximize the opportunities that we have because I don't believe that any human being can sit down and say, the next 10 years are going to go like this and not take anything that comes out of the magic of the interactions, the relationships, the chance meetings, the, the synchronous mm. happen in life that then could take you somewhere even greater. Yeah, and, and it's, a really, it's a good shout. And I think part of um, one of the, the paradoxes of being an entrepreneur is you're sort of drilled into you that you have to be the sort of great leader, entrepreneur, explorer, forging from the from ahead. And there, there's a truth to that. But then there's, there's sort of the, the, the sort of the flow of things can get lost in there. A little example I'll give for my own company is last, so I've set the podcast up and I started interviewing people and I got introduced to a woman who's uh, uh, very uh, prominent in impact uh, investing in the in London and she came on the podcast and maybe about six or eight months later we got sort of chatting about something else and she sort of gently nudged me and my company in the direction of working with impact startups because we were working with startups. And then it, we started doing it. And then I suddenly went, hang on, this, we love this. This is really good. And then suddenly like a year on or 18 months on from that, this is a very much a commitment from our business. But it was a, 
we didn't consciously set out to do this thing. And in fact, I was, there was a lot of resistance to do it, but it just seemed to be the flow of things. And so I, I've read the, the Michael Singer book, um, The Surrender Experiment, and I found it really fascinating because just to clarify that he, a lot of the stuff he ended up doing, he didn't really want to do, but he, he, he was such, it's the, his life flowed in that direction. He, and the surrender was to sort of go with the flow of life, as it were. Like, and then to position himself within that flow, even though he, his rational mind was saying, nah, 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 you don't want to do this. And so it's almost letting the, letting the world unfold in front of you is how I'm kind of reading this. Like, let, let, read the runes a little bit. And if it feels right, even if it's a bit uncomfortable, maybe the discomfort, coming back to your point about feeling good in discomfort, is part of the point. It's part of the growth. Yeah, exactly. And getting comfortable with that discomfort, and again, by asking what's the worst that could happen, can be key to 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 growing and really expanding. I see it like a river. You're flowing in the river, you're flowing in the direction that you want to be going in. But then you see that if you just move a little bit over to the left, there's a rapid that's going to flow way better. And on the right side, there's some reeds and things that's going to be kind of sticky. So why not just flow around in the rapid bit? It's It's adjusting and just seeing, always seeing what's there. And I think that this is also conscious again. I mean, my husband and I say in our relationship, every morning we want to wake up and say, I choose to be with you. Today, I choose to be with you. It's not just because we're married. So I guess that's where I find myself. And I think that this is the same in, in business is saying, what do I really want to be doing today? How can I make the greatest impact? And what are the opportunities that are in front of me? I never saw myself in finance. And I think if I hadn't employed surrender, I would now be a partner of an investment company. So that would be a shame to, to have missed that because I was so blind and only sticking to what I had said I was going to do. And I think that's a good example, actually. Could you unpack, and you, you touched on it briefly, obviously you met your um, business partner and you've got different skill sets and how you're working, but kind of where was the sort of the, the, uh, talking about the flow and the surrender of, you, you started in fashion, you're a kind of creative brand person in business you kind of go into impact and that kind of like art oh, makes sense and suddenly now switcheroo like it's like a kind of you just went to cut from li your life x years ago to your life today suddenly you're in finance it's like what the how did that happen so so how did can, can you unpack the, that example so how do you employ those principles of surrender and the principles of going with the flow of the river and and how that got you to where you are today yeah absolutely so after three years in Berlin, um, I just met my husband and we decided a few months after we met to become nomadic and travel the world. So we both rented out our apartments. We spent the next three or four years um, traveling the world, slow travel and working from wherever we were and building our businesses in all sorts of different situations and places. And that also helped me to understand flow and being in the right place to connect with the right people I'm meant to at any moment. And so as my business was growing and thriving and I was working with a lot of founders, I was also helping a number of them on fundraising, how to position their business for the next fundraising round that they had. And seeing it from the founder's side and just thinking, who decides where this money goes, this makes such a big difference for the potential business has to change the world. Because my ultimate belief is we have to change the world with business. Governments are never going to do it. And we have to do it now. And 
I believe it's the greatest business opportunity of all time. And we have to let go of this idea that, okay, let's do something good and accept that we'll earn less. No, no, no. I think that this is the route to absolute abundance and harmony and growth. And so I was thinking, maybe I need to go on the money side and see how we can change that and diversify the decision makers and where the capital is flowing to and why the capital is flowing and the terms on which the capital is flowing, which was something I then came to learn a lot more. Mm. Uh, And so it was just in my mind for one or two years. I think I have a sense that the funding is going to be coming up for me. And I wasn't consciously trying to create the opportunity for that, but I had a sense that it was coming and I stayed open. And then it flowed when I met my business partner and he asked me to consult on his business. And then we worked so well that we ended up launching it together as partners and going from there. And it's, it, I, I actually have met other people who have funds who also come from a brand and business background. I met one brilliant guy uh, running a, a very beautiful ethical fund who both of the, the founders don't have a finance background. So I don't know how on earth they navigated this crazy world of finance. Uh, but it, it's a great combination for me and my partner that we have the finance and private equity expertise and network and then also brand and business and understand all, all sides of that together. And I'm learning a lot. And you know, I like to be uncomfortable and learning. Well, there you go. It's a new territory, exploring the outer edge and reapplying yeah. those those um, those skills. Yeah, it's a, it's a, the, the uh, a consciousness, the co- being conscious, raising one's awareness, the one's vision, and then the flow of life. And so, so really, that's a, a way of as you are going more into this world, the, the intuition around money, the money side. And so, uh, when was the? Because I did. Am I right? And you thinking you you went to you met first met him in Rome. At the um, uh, conference, because I believe you've uh, just been speaking at the, in Amsterdam on uh, this, uh, this round two of this conference. Can you just speak on like, what, how did you actually go to meet, meet him? And what was that? What, what spurred you to, get, to take your trip to Rome? It is another beautiful example of surrender. So I was having a session with one of my clients and she just mentioned at the end, hey, I've been invited to a summit in Rome. It's be for good leaders. Um, from around the world. It's the first time they've ever done. And I think you'd really like to be there. And I thought that's interesting. And I knew I meant to go. I didn't need to look it up or ask how much it was or look at the dates. I just knew I really feel like I meant to be there. And I had a five month old baby and I was breastfeeding a lot still. And, you know, my husband and I are 50 50 um, partners in, in how we commit time to parenting. So I, I said to him, hey, look, this thing came up and I looked at the website and showed him and just said, I think I'm really meant to be there. And he said, then I, I fully support you. I'll take those days off and, and we'll come to Rome with you. So we all went to Rome and I knew only this one person, a wonderful woman uh, there. And I just went and ended up with, I think, 10 new 15 new friends who I'm still friends with now over a year later and another five new clients that was not my intention that naturally came in this a few months after when people started started calling 
And then another 30 or 40 brilliant contacts, some of which I've collaborated with on various projects. So it was so much came from that. And, you know, every afternoon my husband was coming in 40 degrees, dripping in sweat in his <laughs> t-shirt and shorts, coming to the, to the conference. And I was popping out and breastfeeding my daughter and he was taking her off again. And, you know, we made it work. And I think sometimes it's just following that feeling that, so one I'm meant to be at. And and I think that there's a really, when you get more in tune with your body, maybe this goes back to why it was so important for me to tune into my body, because that's how I can now completely tell the difference between a feeling of I really feel that I'm meant to go there versus I should. Mm. You know, it's not a fear-driven, I should. If I don't go there, then I'll miss out on a FOMO. It's not a negative fear-based feeling of should. Met, you know, other people would expect me to. It's a, it's just a pure, I'm meant to be there and just allowing that to happen without expectations as well. That's so interesting. It's so, um, counterintuitive again in the world we live in, the culture we're in. Where's the data? Where's the proof? Where's the yeah. rational argument? Where's the business case? And it's so, um, I ran a workshop yesterday and, uh, and it was suddenly everyone was like really getting into it. And suddenly you could just, uh, you know, someone then said, yeah, but the, the metrics, the metrics. And, and it's not that that's not important, but then all the kind of creative spirit that was emerging, that was really, really interesting, got like buttoned down by the accountant bit of, of the brain. Yeah. And I think what you're speaking on there is this sort of feel. Right? You didn't go and rationally set out a business plan that would say, oh, you expect to have this da, 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 as a result of this investment. That all the signals were like, like, don't do it. You've got a baby. You've got to breastfeed the baby. You've got a husband. You've got the eggs got to work. You've got, you've got like, how much money is it? When is it? All these things that were stacked up. But then there was this one thing that said, just, yeah, it just feels right. So, so again, what, how do you sort of, again, for people listening to this who perhaps struggle with this or perhaps that doesn't make sense to them at all. How does, how does one nurture that ability? And how, why would you encourage people to sort of, to explore that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think you make a really good point that the data is so important and I love data. I love numbers and it's fascinating and it's, it's hugely important. But I don't think that that deepest gut feeling is ever wrong. And the way that I help people to start on this journey of listening to it in business is think back to a time when you felt, and I could even ask you this, you, can you think kind of a time where you felt that went badly or that didn't work out. And I knew, I knew, I knew it wasn't going to be good. Yeah. You know, we've all experienced, mm. even if it's like just in a friendship and you just meet someone, you're like, yeah, I think that they seem pretty cool, but like something about them is a bit off and I don't really feel good, but you know, it's probably fine. And then a month later, you're on a holiday together and they've done something awful and you're just like, you know, I never really thought that was a good thing. I think we've all experienced that. Mm. I, it's funny because it's, it's your rational brain can make up lots of arguments and, Generally, for me, it's um, uh, the way where we made poor decisions is it's a fear based art, a decision. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Sales are low. Is the, this yeah. is the classic? Sales yeah. are low. Cash flows tight. Some something like that, or something's dropped out. Oh shit! Oh, this is oh great. It seems a bit squirrely. Yeah, but it's a couple. Yeah, then it tops up the figures this month. And then six months later, you're repenting at leisure as the whole thing's ending in tears, and it's taking up like. 10 times as much time as you ever got paid for. And that's, yeah. that's a recurring pattern for me. And it's always a fear-based thing. Exactly. 
And in that moment, I could have thought, okay, I, you know, I'm picking things up again after having a baby and I, I'm not making my usual level of income yet. And then my husband also has to not work those days. And, you know, the, like you said, there could be many fear-based reasons not to do it. But I think that if we've all experienced having not listened to the feeling and that the feeling was right, why not just give it more of a chance? Because your data shows mm. not listening has a 100% fail rate. So what have you missed out on then by not listening? What what could have happened? Don't you want to find out next time? Yeah, and that I think is a nice summation of what you could conceive as surrender. Okay, it feels right. Rational mind's given you about a thousand reasons. Just go with it. Yeah. You don't have to... Do, I, I can think of a few examples, which I won't, uh, we're pushing in our time, but of a way I've applied that, not just in business, but in life where things have cropped up. And it's like, yeah, but like, it's a thousand really good reasons to say no, but I just want to do it. And, and, and oftentimes I, I rarely have regretted those things. I mean, they might've been very instructional or challenging, but I've rarely regretted those things. And it's an interesting, I would say challenge and opportunity and perhaps something to, for everyone listening to take away from today to sort of, okay, okay, just meditate on that, reflect on that journal on that, sink that in. Like where are times where you could go to this next level or a different aspect of your life, including your business that is new territory. Going to that zone, the Nikki's right. What you say as well about it being easier in your personal life, it's something that I can see that I've always done. If I don't feel good about a guy, I'm not going to go on a date with him. If I don't know that this is the man, I'm not going to marry him. If I, whatever, don't want to go to visit that country, I don't have to write a proposal about why I'm not going. I just mm. go where I want to go. And then when we're in business, we're much more in this fear based, mind based, um, scarcity mindset. Mm. And for me, surrendering is linked with abundance it's not it's it's just saying okay i'm i know and i trust and i know that good things are coming from this and i'm gonna go with it and it's it's just a much more positive place to be and on my podcast going conscious i recently interviewed monica a friend of mine and an impact investor and she talked about how in her investment decisions she uses her intuition and i thought that was amazing because I, for one year now, have been on an experiment to make all business decisions based on my intuition. So data is, is there. I see the data. I read the data. So that informs my opinion. It informs me. But then I go with what feels right in my body. So that, that has honestly led me to so much clarity and to a bad experience that I had a couple of years ago, which was, I mean, bad. It was the experience I needed where I trusted someone who branded herself as an ethical entrepreneur and a big success. And I trusted her and gave her some of my time. And then she um, did not come through on what we had, had, what she had promised. I realized all along, I knew she was manipulative. I knew that there was something that was not good. So it was a great lesson for me to say, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. I'm really going to let my, my intuition and feeling guide me. And it brings so much more clarity to just being able to fully say yes to things and absolutely go for it. I think that's really great. It's aligning your uh, brain, your mind, your and your body. And by the way, for any of the rational minded people, you do have brain cells in your spine, gut, and in your viscera. That's why it's connected through the vagus nerve to your exactly. brain. And so yeah. your viscera uh, and your all the uh, internal organs is your subconscious not connected to your brain. So it's connected. It's scientifically actual biology. Biology. We're not just talking woo-woo here. 
Um, right. Well, we're, you mentioned in passing your fantastic podcast, Going Conscious. Can you please t- share us a little bit about that? And where can we find out more about you and connect with you, Nikki? Yes, thank you. So Going Conscious is on all of the major platforms. We've got well over 100 episodes now and um, some great stats. Uh, which I wouldn't list off here, but you can find you can list, them, list, list them. List them. She's top 2.5% of all global podcasts that and a whole true. bunch of other accolades. She's, she's incredibly successful. And so it's a great, great show. And I know what I love about it is the fact that you're kind of bringing people who you are meeting and, and uh, part of your life onto the show. And that's something I'm, I'm trying to do here actually more. Yeah. Um, and I think, yes, yeah, so it's, it's great stuff. You definitely should listen. If you're into this idea of, of tuning into a sort of uh, your body and looking at be- raising your awareness, then check out that podcast. It's great. Yeah, the podcast is all about people who have shifted to impact and creating greater profit from greater positive impact. And it's it's with all sorts of inspiring business leaders and founders. So goingconscious.com or just anywhere. Um, you can find out about all of the things I'm doing on nikkitrot.com, N-I-K-K-I-T-R-O-T-T.com. There you can link to my impact investment fund, Barefoot Ventures, to my brand advisory, Conscious Accelerator, to my podcast, Going Conscious. And you can also find me on LinkedIn, Nikki Trot, or on Instagram, Nikki Trot. All those links should be clicked by you and followed up, dear listener, because Nikki is awesome and a trailblazer and a real pioneer in multiple uh, ways. And she's also brilliant. So if you are thinking about doing it, we've done some uh, collaborative work. She's worked to help me with my brand and my business. And she's really astute, plain and very insightful, plain speaking and insightful. And so I would highly recommend her, uh, genuinely. And what a fantastic conversation. Thank you for coming and sharing so openly. A great journey you're surrendering to, and I'm honoured to have been a small part of it so far, and hopefully we can continue working together. So thanks for coming on the podcast, and I'll see everybody next time. Thank you so much. Are you an impact startup founder? Are you looking to do good in the world? And do you want a team to build your tech product? But importantly, do you want that tech product to actually do what you want it to do based on the vision you've got? Then maybe, just maybe, my company, the tech department, could be a good fit. And as a founder of a startup, particularly in the early stages, every penny you invest is critical. It's adding value. It's creating improvement to your business. So our difference is we focus first on improvement, and that mindset shift is unique. And we turn that mindset shift into a method which we called the Tech Bootcamp. And it works really great. We get great feedback from all of our startup clients. And when you've got your business profitable and you want to build your in-house team, then we can help you with that too and hand over in a way that's not weird and we're not hanging onto the code or anything stupid like that. So if you like that idea, check us out at www.thetechdept.com. T-H-E-T-E-C-H-D-E-P-T, the tech department, thetechdept.com, the worst name to pronounce as a domain name on a podcast. Check it out.